experienced in these blackouts, blackout, stretches of time you can't account for. Welcome back, everyone, to Captain's Log. This is your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined by my trusted co-host, Mr. Mason Schrader. Mason, we are back for Lost Log. We just finished a big series, so we took a little break to kind of fucking gather ourselves, because I realized now, I was looking at it, we had done that series for about a year. We'd been covering these fucking murders, and it was, honestly, it took a toll. Like, I was fucking tired. Like, mentally, fucking spiritually, whatever. I was fucking... It was... Uh, yeah. I know that, like, we had talked about, like, we're going to jump right back into it. But I think it was it was, it was was good to take a little break. And, and that brings me to today's topic. In the spirit of kind of taking a breather, we're going back to the old Captain's Log bag of what's are we going to do's. And we're going to take a little, a little chill kind of approach to today. Today we're talking about weird tourist traps. Um, kind of in the vein of our Florida Man episode of just kind of like outside of our catalog, I would say, but still kind of within the character of the show, you know? Because we'd done like a terrifying tourist attractions, but this one is just more kind of like straight up wacky tourist traps where it's like, there are places to get money, but they're kind of weird. Um, I was just you can doing cut in at any point. I started doing a bit where because I thought it would be funny that if I just never spoke and then you release this episode like, like you just did the podcast without me and yeah, like yeah. nothing had changed. Yeah. And I was I wanted to keep that up, but I wow. couldn't communicate that bit to you without talking. So. Wow, that would have been a really funny bit, Mason, of you to just yeah. sit there for the entire fucking episode, and I'm just like, <laughs> Mason. <laughs> I commit to the bit, Jose. You do. I do. You do. He does. He I does. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even like Jose. Nope. This is all one big a, bit. A different friend was like, how funny would it be if we were friends with Jose and I'm still doing this podcast? <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, that was a joke, buddy. I love you so much. That was just a joke. <laughs> um, uh, I just break down. I can't wow, even that really, that, that, that really, really rattled you. me, man. <laughs> uh, which is funny because I make the same joke to Max. I always joke that I'm only friends with him because his mom pays me. Uh-huh. And whenever yeah. he brings up stories of like, well, well, you actually weren't there that day. I'm like, yeah, it's because your mom didn't pay me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that's a really funny bit, Jose. Everyone's uh, uh, Everyone's got a kick down. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's an endless cycle, a chain of, of screaming, if you will. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Mason, uh, tourist traps, I, I've always been fascinated by them as someone who has never really gone to them because we would always drive by them on road trips and my, my siblings and I would be like, dad, we should stop there. And my dad would be like, that sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. No. And then you just drive yeah. straight through, which to be fair, yeah. they are, but like would have been kind of cool. Would have been cool to see the world's biggest ball of yarn, dad. Tourist traps are like, um, they're like uh they're like um Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. They are only fun if you know if you can do it ironically. Okay. There's things in it yes, that you yes, can 100%. get genuine yeah, yeah. enjoyment okay. out of, but generally speaking, uh, there you have to it's a little wink wink nudge nudge when yeah. you're doing it. Yes, now, I agree. I, I would say that, like, now now I want to visit all these places, but I want to visit them for the sake of, like, again, I know that they're scams. I know that they're a little, yes. like, meant to get. I think, again, like, if you visit them for the sincerity of being like, I want to see it. Like, I believe in this yeah. thing. It's like, mm. Right. But I think I mean, if it's, it's tongue-in-cheek. Okay, but, yeah. I, it's also, I would assume, a lot like a Steven Seagal movie where it's, it's yes. terrible and you only watch it 
because it's bad and but fun bad, but then also the real life story behind it is terrifying, and it turns out he's an awful human being. Which is what me uh, and Mason's just talking about. The last time I was in Iowa and we watched uh, Under Siege, and then did exactly that with Nick, where we were like, "Oh God!" Like Steven Seagal. Yes. <laughs> like we just realized how bad he really is. Yep, Steven Seagal. Um, I'm gonna say allegedly because I don't remember enough about it to yeah, I be don't confident. Remember. Allegedly, but like, allegedly human trafficked people. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so in that sense, I've 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 got a list here. I think it's ten, ten tourist traps that, again, kind of go with the character of the show. Kind of spooky. Kind of, kind of weird and wacky. I I I I think I excluded a lot of them that were just like, look at this giant fucking sock. Because I was like, well, yeah. Can I do we, have um, a giant thing, though, actually, later on, which is, yeah. I've, I, that's, you can't say that to my, your co-host, Jose. Um, we do, when we get famous, can we have Alex Hirsch, creator of um, yes. Gravity Falls, come on and redo this episode with us? Yeah, 100%. This is, this is, this is our pitch to him. We're going to send this if, to him. If anyone, gonna... yeah, knows Alex Hirsch or, and he wants to come on, we're huge fans of I, Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls. <laughs> they actually get a mention in this first one. My name is Mason. And for all you casual fans out there, Dipper's real name is Mason. Yeah, so. it is. Yeah. Totally forgot about that. We love you, Alex. Please come on. I'm and definitely going to get a, a Gravity Falls tattoo at some point. That is a thing that's going to happen. But I have to pick it wisely. Next time in your Iowa, we should go get matching ones. Yes, I think we should. I'd do that in 100% in a heartbeat. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into it, Mason. Are you ready to, to take this, uh, this trip down America with me? I sure am. Well, let's start that mystery hog. Take the tarp off, dust it off. <sighs> I got snacks. Yes. I'm going to put on my helmet. I'm climbing into the sidecar. We got oh, no, a sidecar now. I don't wear a helmet because I'm he a man. Because he's sick. Yeah, it's, I'm just kidding. Wear a helmet when you Obviously, ride a motorcycle. That's everything. fucked up. Don't don't not wear a helmet. And then we go to start it. And it starts. Thank God, because I thought we had to put gas in it. Oh, no. Oh, oh, hold on. Right. There we go. There we go. It's been Let's a second. Go. We're going down the road. The first place, I and mean, we've got got Pod Dog in there. We got Pod Cat. Yeah, yeah. God, it's just a big Pod family just growing. Our little family's growing. Our little family's growing. <laughs> so our first place, Mason, is the mystery spot located in Santa Cruz, California, and of course, all the the, the references and um, uh, sources are, will be in the show notes because I'm just pulling them straight from. Uh, I think it was Atlas Obscura was the one I used. The mystery spot is also what Jose calls women's clitorises. Well, it's not real, so. (laughs) 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 The mystery spot, located in Santa Cruz, California, was originally discovered by a group of surveyors in 1939 and opened to the public in 1940. It is described as a place of gravitational perspective and height variation. Some say that cones of metal were brought here by otherworldly visitors and buried in the Earth to act as guidance systems for their spacecraft, while others argue that the actual spacecraft is buried deep within the Earth at the mystery spot. Other theories include carbon dioxide permeating from the Earth, a hole in the ozone layer, a magma vortex. These are just made up words. The highest, e- uh, the highest dielectric biocosmic radiation known anywhere in the world and radiosthesia. 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 Yeah, yeah. Whatever the cause is, it remains a mystery and a must-see stop for those traveling along the California coast line. Fun fact, the tourist attraction, along with the Oregon Vortex, actually served as inspiration for Stan Pine's Mystery Shack in the incredible, fantastic animated series, Gravity Falls. Okay, so, but... What is what is it this place? So here, I, I should have put pictures of all these places in there. I totally forgot to. Um let me insert a picture here for you. Basically a- it's a place where it's one of those you know, like in the Lord of the Rings, how they shot that with all force perspectives, right? To make them look small. 
Yeah. It's one of those places. So you look like you're uphill, but you're actually downhill. And it's like, a, I don't understand the science behind it. There's a scientific explanation for places like this. A lot of like gravity hills. Have you ever heard of stuff like that? Where you that there's like a urban legend that you, you bring your car onto the train tracks and the little ghosts will push it through. But really it's explained as it looks uphill, but you're actually going downhill, which is why it does that. There's a scientific explanation for it. I am not a scientist. I don't know the explanation. <laughs> but basically, th- that's what this place is. I'll show you a picture here, Mason. It's a, um, uh, it's like a little shack that you go to, and you can stand in it and take various pictures and different poses. Um, I'll show you some of the, s- the pictures here. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's what it is. It's like forced perspectives kind of thing. Right, but okay, to us, so w- it looks like they're leaning, but they are just standing completely straight. Okay, and then the man on the table, he looks very short, but I would assume he's probably a normal-sized person. Yeah, I threw another one in there. That I think illustrates it as well. Uh, okay, so... You're like, ah, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, it just kind of seems like... I mean, it's weird, I guess. All right. But again, it started in the 50s. What the fuck were they doing in the 50s? They just got out of the war and they were like, God, we need some entertainment. I get it. I just, it just seems like you could, it's, if it was natural, I would get it. But it's just a, it's a shack built at an angle. It's, yes. But it's also like they discovered it. Again, I don't know the term for this. If uh, listeners out there could write in, that'd be great. But they basically, when they were surveying the land, they realized that it was one of those optical illusion things where, like, you stand and it looks like you're uphill, but you're actually downhill thing, you know? I'll be honest, gang. (laughs) These pictures, they're not. They, I I know what Jose's trying to understand it. I I don't really understand it. I know what Jose's trying to explain, but I cannot convince my brain that this is anything other than people just like standing at a weird angle. I tried so hard while I was doing the research for this, and I was like, I think I get it, but I don't really. You know, that last picture you just showed was, it was confusing, and maybe you can put these on Instagram, would that be yeah, okay? Yeah, I'll definitely do that. That last one is like, it It looks like it's like, okay, I get it, the house is at an angle, but then there's this other guy who looks like he's flying, and I don't <laughs> fully, that yeah. doesn't, that does not cohere in my brain, and I don't like that very much. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So we're moving on to our, well, I guess, okay, maybe we should find some, excuse you. Uh, Pod Dog some, doesn't like it. Pod Dog is, his brain is fucking jello now because of it. We should find, maybe we should decide whether we would visit these places or not. That sounds well, good, I guess we're already there. Maybe we should rate them. But not spooky or kooky. More like. Fun or dumb? No, t- like trap or crap? Yeah, that's a good one. So it's it's a if it's good, it's a trap. Yeah, it's like trapped us. It's got us. If it's crap, we're out of there. We also don't have to do this. <laughs> I was just no. I I just think. It's is it a crap trap or a wham bam shangalang or scam bam shangalang? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, that's a scam or wham bam, yes please, ma'am. There you go, boom. What would you say about the mystery? Oh, that's spot? the one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what was it again? Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's um, uh, it's um. Oh man, that's a scam. <laughs> oh man, that's a scam. Or wham bam. Yes, yes please, ma'am. ma'am. Yes, please, yes ma'am. ma'am. No, yes, ma'am is better. So what would you say? Wham bam. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a scam. Or Look, wham okay, bam. This yes, is, ma'am. No, this we got, is it, for we the, got it. We got it. Yeah, no, no, no. This one's for. This is for the audience. We, as college students, came up with one rhyme once, and it's haunted us for the rest yep. of our careers. Yep. Spooky anyway, 
I would say that one. We, we actually is, also came up with thrills or kills. That was the first one. That's the problem is it works yeah. too many times and now here we are. Yeah. I would say, Jose, that that is a wham, bam, yes, ma'am. Also because, again, like for me, it's like, well, it's like it served as the inspiration for the Mystery Shack. So, yeah, that's true. Just for that, I would go And then see you it. have, you have all, so it's, especially here in California, you see a lot of the bumper stickers that says, what is the mystery spot? And then Gravity Falls had their own that says, what is the mystery shack? Yeah, So it was yeah. really cool. I just saw one on my campus last week, but it was a mystery shack one. And I was like, hey, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, well, moving along, we're still in California. We're heading down to the Winchester Mystery House. Have you ever heard of the Winchester Mystery House, Mason? No. So located in San Jose, California, and originally constructed in 1884 by Sarah Winchester, the heir to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company fortune, uh, after traveling to California from Connecticut in search of a new life after the death of her husband, William Wirt Winchester, Wirt. What a I, name. I like the name. It's Over the Garden Wall. Is it? Yeah, the Elijah Woods character's name oh. is Wirt. Well, she purchased an eight-room farmhouse and started a renovation project that would take her 36 years and $5.5 million to complete. It was actually never completed. It just stopped with her death in 1922. Yeah, because of course it did, because it was the early 1900s. As soon as I saw 36 years, I was like, oh, she just died. Yeah. 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 So, Sarah suffered tremendous loss throughout her life, starting with the death of her daughter, Annie Pardee Winchester, who died just a month after she was born in 1866. Then, in 1888, William died of tuberculosis, leaving Sarah with a $20 million inheritance and ownership of half of the Winchester Company, making her one of the wealthiest women in the United States at the time. Sarah's mother and father-in-law then died the same year, after which she would only be seen exclusively wearing black mourning clothes. No one is quite sure why Mrs. Winchester demanded constant changes to her very large house, but there are, of course, whispers and legends of why she did what she did. The most prevalent story is that Sarah was haunted by the spirits of those killed by the Winchester rifle. After the death of her husband, a psychic told her that to escape the spirits, she would have to move out west, buy a home, and build nonstop. What a what a uh, what an amazing allegory for women in America that she, her curse is to suffer the, the repercussions of, of a, a <laughs> gun created by a man. Yeah, she's haunted by all the spirits of a thing she didn't do. Had Look, I to get do it. With. She was a rich woman in the early yeah. 1900s. She was probably trash, mm. but. It's such a that's such a, a nice yeah. way of treating women in America of just like it's her fault, haunt yeah. her. So um some say that she believed as soon as construction was complete, she would die. While other theories suggest that she built the house like a maze in order to keep her paranormal tormentors at bay and lost in the many intricacies of the building. Which doesn't make sense because ghosts can walk through walls, I think. <laughs> so I don't like, if I was a ghost and I got to, a, like, a dead end, I'd be like, oh, wait, I'm just going to just go through this. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just stuck. Oh, wait. I, that <laughs> is, I don't know. I am, that is such on the razor's edge between fucking stupid and genius mm-hmm. that I've ever, I, it's like, on one hand, like, that's a good point. Ghosts are going to get confused. But on the other hand, it's like, I don't think that's going to stop a ghost. <laughs> I don't think it will. But I guess in the sense that, like, if you're getting haunted, mm-hmm. technically, it's not like ghosts have radar. No. It's not like they know exactly where... They gotta find you, I suppose. They have to find you, and so, all... Most horror stories take part in relatively small places. Yeah. Well, see, to avoid... Going along with that, Mason, to avoid them, she allegedly slept in a different room every night and took labyrinthian paths through her own home so they couldn't memorize which way she walked every time. This is just a case of a woman having money and everyone was like, we got to make up stories about her fast. Well, and and I'll, I'll, I, I'll show you some pictures at the end, but yeah. So a massive earthquake actually struck the Bay Area in 1906 and toppled the top three stories of the house, damaging the other four stories along with it. Some say that Sarah oh Winchester- Oh my God, wait, I'm sorry. Are you telling me this house was seven stories high? 
Because uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that's insane. Seven yeah. stories is crazy. So some say that Sarah Winchester took this as a sign from the spirits that she was too close to completion and ordered the unfinished front half of the house to be boarded up. Though it's open now, signs of damage from the earthquake are still clearly visible. In response to the ongoing claims of ghostly encounters and other paranormal phenomena on the property, in the early 1990s, the Winchester management had a parapsychologist and paranormal investigator named Christopher Chacon conduct a full-scale scientific assessment of the property. The month-long, round-the-clock investigation included interviewing over 300 people regarding their experiences in the, on the property and analyzing every aspect of the environment for any unusual phenomena. It, the website didn't say what its findings were. <laughs> Probably just went, yeah, this shit's spooky. Sounds like uh, none. Yeah. Uh, in 2018, a horror film was made about the infamous house and the spirits said to live within, and it starred Helen Mirren herself. Um, I mean, that's impressive. So, so th- the reason that people believe this this theory, though, about the ghost is because I've included a picture here for Mason. It's just the front of the house. But also, let me see if I can find some here. There's rooms that end in a wall or rooms that you open the door and it's a fucking 30-foot drop into the garden. Or there's uh, like a... Um, a staircase that opens up and it's a hallway, you know what I mean? And it leads to like the other side of the house. So there's just a bunch of weird shit like that, like paintings that you open them and it's a pantry or whatever, you know what I mean? Like all this random shit. So that's why people believe the whole theory of like, she was just building to for the fucking sake of building. Like, let me, here we go. Here's a good one. (laughs) Well, I'm not saying that she couldn't have been building for the sake of building, I mean, but it could I just, just think she was a woman be... that wasn't there. Like, look at this. Just... It stares, and they go, stop. They stop. And then it's like, how the fuck do you get over to the other side? Honestly, I like it. I think it's wacky and cool. Except, like, it would be a pain in the ass if you lived there. Because then you just forget about it, and you're like, oh, fuck. How do I get back? I just think that, like... Well, there's another one. That's one of those uh, doors that opens to just a fucking drop. That's just rad shit. Oh, I think that's it's really one, cool. I, I've always is, thought the Mystery House is such a cool thing. That's one slide away from being Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. That's all. This is awesome. She's rocks. She's cool. You guys suck. I say, for me, this is a... Um, this is a wham-bam yes-ma'am. I would also agree that this is a wham bam yes. And it's something that I have to see. I have to go visit at some point. It's on my bucket list to go there. And I don't think San Jose is that far from where I live. So I got to get down there. Fair enough. Okay. Well, moving on. Before we move on, I just need to point out that the the ghost of Alfred Hitchcock is right over my my right shoulder. Holy shit, he is. (laughs) Right? I know, right? It's just my shadow, but... Have I ever shown you the picture I took of... Uh, of uh, I went to the Wax Museum, or the, the Lady whatever Tussauds, and or Madame Tussauds, and they have a wax figure of uh, of uh, Alfred Hitchcock, and I made it look like he was taking a selfie. I gotta send this to you, if I've never sent this to you before. No, I don't think you have. I, I gotta do this now. But pause the podcast, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the the I'm gonna uh, put yeah. these on the Instagram for the listeners to to see. But we leave the sunny Californian coastline for the House on the Rock, located between Dodgeville and Spring Green, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, the House on the Rock first began to be constructed in 1945, opening its doors to the public in 1959. It all started when a man named Alex Jordan saw a 60-foot chimney of rock in beautiful Wisconsin. It was here that he decided to build a house on the sandstone formation called Deer Shelter Rock. Jordan built the house as a weekend retreat and never intended it to be a tourist attraction. However, people kept coming to see the architectural wonder they had heard about. Jordan eventually started asking for 50-cent donations. That was only the beginning. The 14-room house is the original structure of what is now a complex of many buildings. A complex. Exhibits and garden displays. It can take many hours to walk through the House of the Rock, and it's nearly impossible to see it all in one day. 
Among the collections of collections within is the world's largest carousel, boasting 269 carousel animals, 182 lanterns, more than 20,000 lights, and hundreds of mannequin angels hanging from above, from the ceiling above it all. Jordan was a collector all his life and enjoyed visiting museums. However, he did not want the House on the Rock to be a museum. He intended it to be much more. Though parts of the collections could have easily found their way into museums, the House on the Rock is more of a trip through the wild and fantastic imagination of Alex Jordan than a visit to a dusty museum. I've included a picture of it here, Mason, and then inside you'll find a bunch of just weird stuff like... uh, dragons and dolls and it's just a it's a it's it's like a wacky museum is the way i would describe it so here's my thing right is i'm assuming by the way that you described that in that that little paragraph based off of the picture i don't think there's enough scale here because it doesn't look like it's capable of holding the world's largest carousel it just kind of looks like a a neat house on a rock yeah but it's Big, because again, like the house itself is one of the expanded. Now it's like a complex. Right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's also not a good angle of it. Let me see if I can find a better angle. Honestly, um, it's cool. It seems interesting. I don't know. I mean, what? Yeah, I'm into it. You know. Yeah, there, there you go. That's like a a conceptual. uh, Is that a? It might be. That looks more like a drawing than a picture, but. That's basically what it looks like. Well, it says photograph here on the website, so I don't know. And then again, there's just a bunch of stuff inside. Yeah, okay. It's weird. It's cool. I like it. I like it because it's a fucking house built on a rock. I think that's sick as hell. But also, there's just like, again, unlike a museum or or like some of your other roadsides, which will have like... uh, you know, like, uh, this is a half uh, mermaid, half monkey thing. It does, I think there are certainly some shit like that there, but it also just has, like, a bunch of shit from everywhere that you could gotcha. see, which I think is kind of cool. Interesting. I mean, it sounds it sounds pretty cool. I don't, it's definitely my, like, kind of least favorite so yeah. far. I, out of the previous ones we've talked about, this isn't, like, the most wham-bam Yes, ma'am, to me, but it is still like no. a wham bam. Yes, ma'am. You know? Yeah, I agree. I think I would like I don't know. I feel like I'd need to be this isn't one that I would travel to. This is something that I if I was within an hour of, I'd be like, we gotta stop there. But right. I'd have to go for something else. But that's not like a I'm going from out of town just specifically yeah. to see this. Yeah. Located in Oneida County, New York, the Cross Island Chapel was constructed in 1989. As if being the smallest church was not unique enough, the Cross Island Chapel is also stranded in the middle of a pond. The tiny white clapboard chapel sticks out from... Clapboard, not cardboard. Sticks out from the middle of the lush pond surroundings on a floating jetty, just large enough to moor one rowboat to. Just large enough for a bride, a groom, and someone to wed them, so long as they don't mind getting crammed together. The titular cross is nowhere to be seen, but there is a small cross jetting out of some exposed rocks in the pond, which is the most likely candidate. Fun fact, the pond it sits in is called Mason's Pond. I included this. Uh, Yes? I would just appreciate it if people would stop visiting my fucking pond, first of all. (laughs) That's Mason's Pond. It's my pond. I'm sorry, whose name is on the pond? That's what I thought. It's not Jose's Pond. Nope. Mason's 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 Pond. Can't ask me if you can go there, guys. You have to ask Mason. Hey, Jose, we were thinking of visiting uh, the Cross Island Chapel. Well, you got to ask Mason. And the answer is no. And he says no. So It's my bond. Get fucked. Uh, but I just, I think it's a really cool image of just this tiny, like imagine cool, you're yeah. out there at night and you just what see I, that in the distance. What I have to say, the Reminds me like part. some Red Dead shit. I don't know. The weirdest part to me is the cross that's like welded together from like riveted pieces of metal yeah. but is like got like the a blood red center to it. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's spooky. I like it. Yeah, I I I would again, but this is again also not one that I'm so I th- so I think for that reason because I'm not willing to go out of state for it, I think I would say I like it, but for the sake of rating, I would have to say oh man, that's a scam. I agree. 
I would have to be within half an hour or mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Yeah. If I were, you know, visiting New York and this was like 20 minutes away, I'm like, yeah, I'll run by there real quick on a day off. But, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Next up, Mason, located in Alexandria, Indiana, is the world's biggest ball of paint. This bizarre artifact came into being in 1977 when Alexandria resident Mike Carmichael let his young son cover a baseball in blue house paint, a weird hobby he had invented during his years working at a paint shop. After that, they continued to add new layers, one over the other, causing the ball to slowly expand with each application. In the beginning, the ball would be painted multiple times a day, as it could simply be dipped in a can or quickly brush painted. But as it continued to expand, becoming more unwieldy, the process began to take longer and the growth slowed. But it did not stop. Eventually, Carmichael was forced to build the ball its very own barn with a specially constructed girder that could support the increasingly heavy paintball. Today, after more than 27,000 coats of paint, the ball weighs around two and a half tons. It It has long since lost its spherical shape, taking on more of an ovoid form. Looks like a ball sack, simply uh, due to the gravity pulling the paint around as it was applied. Uh, small imperfections have also grown into bulbous lumps, giving it the look of an alien cocoon or a ball sack. Uh, with giant balls taking much longer to cover in coats, uh, nowadays Carmichael allows visitors to add coats when they come to see the thing. They can choose what color they want to add from different buckets of paint and add their choice uh, to a running tally of top hues, Blue is the favorite, and visitors can also walk away with a shaved cross-section of the ball, proof that they contributed to one of America's newest superlative achievements. It's a big ball of paint. Why, um, why is it flesh-colored? Uh, this one picture I chose uh, is of it when it was flesh-colored and does look like a ball sack. It's not always flesh-colored, though. It looks so much like <laughs> something that I would be terrified to find on my body. Yeah. It looks, it looks like, it looks like something that if I got up from the toilet and found, I would have to immediately, I'd maybe pass out if I didn't immediately go to the doctor. <laughs> it looks like something that I would find, like, in, like, a crease somewhere and be like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's, I, you could say it's the world's biggest ball of pain. I refer to it as the world's, um... Uh, scariest reminder of aging when you mm. just find you just start to find things on your body and you're like that can't be good that's a bump that's a lump that's a bump with lumps it's a lump with bumps I don't like it I hate this thing I hate this thing <laughs> only because you picked a picture that's flesh colored it triggers me It's I have medical anxiety it's fucking with me to a, such an extreme level Jose it just looks like every picture it looks like go. every every tumor that I've ever have been afraid of is is that ball. So then, oh man, that's a scam. I, yeah, I, yes, yes, it's a scam. But also, in its credit, so far, by far the scariest thing that I would visit. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful, and I hate it. It's just weird. I think it's weird. If it, it if you just hadn't picked a flesh colored one, mm, yeah, I guess I wouldn't have cared. Yeah, it just looks like a. It looks. It kind of looks like the um, the the eggs from Alien to me. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Except flesh colored. Except flesh colored. Like, yeah. and I to be clear, audience, it's not flesh colored like a generic human being. It's flesh colored like my specific tone of yeah. flesh. Yeah, yeah. Like the specific <laughs> pinks and yellows that I have that, that gives me my complexion it was like they were like Mason Schrader's skin tone please for our color well, that's today. the bucket they got yeah from uh, yes. Sherman Sherman uh, whatever Williams yes yeah yeah okay well moving on we're, uh, we travel to Mason's home state of Iowa to yeah. a tourist attraction that has a very special connection in, to this podcast uh, located in Riverside Iowa is a very special place to fans of the sci-fi series Star Trek where we get our name from Previously located in a private courtyard behind a small yellow house, now used as a salon, was the future birthplace of James Tiberius Kirk, captain of the USS Enterprise. As of 2021, it has now been moved to a new spot on the south side of City Hall on Green Street, and the Star Trek mural fence was moved to serve as a backdrop for the Captain Kirk statue. 
A stone tells us that the Federation of Planets Hero will be born here in 2228, although some online sites claim his date of birth is 2238. Ugh! <laughs> yes, well, actually, he, uh, just, his birthday is 2238. Yeah. Just to be clear, I've never Jose... seen a woman's <laughs> vagina. <laughs> Jose started this podcast without me which is fine yeah. but he named it the captain's log after star trek which i've seen i love star and trek. it's it's good it I've enjo- my life. i enjoyed the wrath of khan i'll chase him around the moons of nibia and that's the end of it that's the end of the we actually have a, star trek a, that i enjoy we have a, the, of a clip of from wrath of khan in our in our opening titles where he goes uh marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet to be fair, though, it's not even the best. The oh best, my god! Uh, <laughs> Fucking uh, Hitchcock is behind you, Mason. <laughs> Don't freak out. <laughs> uh, the best. Uh, the best quote I can't get by far. That. Yeah, it's pretty funny, right? <laughs> Especially when I nod. He's like, yeah. <laughs> For the audio listeners, Mason's wearing a hat, and there's a light coming. That's casting a shadow on the wall behind him. It looks like Alfred Hitchcock. It's fucking insane. That like famous pics, like the silhouette, the famous yeah, yeah, yeah. big ass nose. <laughs> the best Star Trek quote of all time is in Wrath of Khan when uh, Kirk goes, uh, "Genesis was Genesis." <laughs> We've talked about this a million times. I knew you were gonna say uh, that. It's, it's my Genesis favorite. Was Genesis? And Genesis was Genesis. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so good. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I yeah yeah. I've been to Riverside. I've actually dri- I drive through Riverside quite a bit. Um, because, well, now I do because, um, my partner is from, uh, kind of that area and it takes us through Riverside. So Um, next time you go, you got to stop and take a picture. Yeah, I will do that. Actually, you should. That'd be sick. I, no, I will for the podcast. I'll definitely do that. Um, but it's, um, it's pretty underwhelming. They also have a casino. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we can. It's... (laughs) It's like I. It's kind of cool. I don't know. It's also. It's like um, John Wayne was born here too. And yeah, well, and but I, he's a Nazi, so. Well, John Wayne is a Nazi, but I've also was. been to his hometown. Yeah. And I've also been to the place where they painted the American Gothic. I uh, need to painting. go next time I'm there. We need to go to the Field of Dreams. Oh yeah, I've been there That's several the one times. One thing I need to see for my arms. It's actually kind of well. It's actually kind of sucks now because they just built like the MLB stadium. Oh yeah! Did you hear about that? Yeah, where they yeah. actually the Yankees played yeah, there and everything. They, yeah. So it's a it's a lot like scary. It's a it's honestly could probably qualify for a a, a, a trap a tourist trap at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, in the meantime, packs of Trek lovers and various nerds meet there at the annual Trek Fest in the Iowa countryside. On those days, you can meet people dressed in space uniforms alongside the Amish locals who ride horses and don't use electricity. The past and future meeting. Yeah. And then I've included a picture here. This is what it used to be, just a stone slab. Now it's like the slab and the statue and a mural. It also says when you get to the town, Riverside, the future birthplace of Captain Kirk. Yeah. Uh, It's fine. I don't. It's weird. I, it's weird that that's a thing in I Iowa. It's cool. It is. I like. I guess it's cool. Yeah. Well, I it, don't ca- know. it came about. This is some Star Trek lore. It came about because Gene Roddenberry was asked where Kirk was born, and he said a small town in Iowa. And then Riverside said, "It's us. We are the small town." And then everyone just went, "All right." <laughs> so, you know, it could have been Oski, me. but they weren't fast it, enough. Yeah. 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 What a bummer. God. What a bummer that every year we don't have a Star Trek convention in this town. God, that would have been the best, man. I love Star <sighs> Trek. I love uh, Star Trek. I would look. I'm fine. I'm doing a bit of a bit here. I Star Trek's fine. If it was an Oski, though, I would hate Star Trek with <laughs> such a passion. Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. Well, moving on to the world's largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things. Okay, at what point you ran out of spooky things really fast, yeah. didn't you? Well, they're like weird. <laughs> they're like weird places now. Look, I was I was like, all right, Captain Kirk, because we're we because you're a Star Trek fan, I get it. Well, I didn't want to do spooky like, places oh. because we did that already. We did the, the terrifying tourist attractions. So today it's oh, weird tourist traps. Okay, yeah. gotcha. 
So located in Lucas, Kansas, is a quirky little place. Erica Nelson, the mind behind the world's largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things. God, it's such a fun name. <laughs> um, I hate it and I'm mad about it. <laughs> she travels the, the United States looking for monsters of the road. Things like the world's largest ketchup bottle or ball of yarn or the world's largest ball of ball paint. of paint yeah. she then photographs them and makes a world's smallest version of said world's largest thing once nelson researches visits and photographs a world's largest thing she then makes a miniature replica of the thing when possible nelson will bring the tiny version back to the enormous structure that inspired it and snap a photo of the two items together the little replicas and photographs are then displayed in the museum and online Nelson makes the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things from a medley of materials. For example, when replicating the world's largest ball of rubber bands, she used the miniature rubber bands that you find at an orthodontist's office. Cute. <laughs> that is cute. It's cute. It's cute. Nelson is an artist, educator, and one of America's foremost experts and speakers on the world's largest things. In addition to visiting communities with her own unique traveling museum, which acquired a permanent base in 2017, Nelson is a consultant to cities seeking to create their own world's largest thing or roadside attraction to increase tourism, marketing, and economic development for their community. I think it's so cool. Sorry, did I'm we say be... did we say some did we rate the Captain Kirk one? Oh, yeah. Um I don't know how to rate it because if it were any place that I hadn't already been, I'd say no. I, I, but since it's a place because that I I'm go a nerd to sometimes for Star Trek, I'm going to say uh wham bam yes ma'am. I don't like that I've been to one on this list and it's one that I didn't even want to go to. Yeah. But anyway, for this though, I'm going to say wham bam yes ma'am because I love miniaturized versions of things. I I, I have love. to be honest, right? Okay. I st I started out hating this. I, mm -hmm. It's adorable and I love it. I it's just love so it. it's so pure. It's so wholesome. I love she, that she's she's I want dedicated to her. So she's dedicated her life to the world's largest. It's so I cool. love it. It's amazing. It's great. Erica, if you're uh, listening so and you want to come on here and talk about yes. this, we will yes. give you a platform, please. Yes, we'd love to. Um, we'd love to. We'll I, change our I podcast. Just, yeah. <laughs> Did we'll I be tell the world's, you the the world's smallest? podcast of the world's largest things oh wow because we don't have any fans yeah <laughs> um <laughs> yeah I, I um yeah i just love miniaturized versions of things yeah, yeah that's cool yeah i've got a little miniature of the doctor who tardis here so that's a i got a oh miniature god. Of oh god oh god oh god the u.s Jose's, uh, jose's autism is spiraling <laughs> and he's now showing us all of his trinkets uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, you you a hundred percent had at least two more, didn't you? I do. <laughs> I, do. I do. I used to have a miniature um, monolith from two thousand one: A Space Odyssey, mm. but I don't know where it is. I'm not gonna show you. Should, I wish you guys <laughs> could look see him <laughs> looking at his collection of tiny things in wonder right now. <laughs> I love him. I don't know. What to and also. Uh, for listeners out there, if you want to see the world's smallest penis, it's on Mason. Come to my house. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Yeah. See, I felt like I was being too hard on you. I wanted to. Yeah. Hey, man. Thanks. Well, let's move <laughs> along to the next one. And this, speaking of penises, that's actually a perfect segue. We're going to the William P. Didish Center for Urolo Urologic History, located in Lithicum, come. Located in Lithicum Heights, Maryland, this next attraction is unlike any other on this list. Not too long ago, a bladder stone was a life-threatening affair. I'm sorry, the cum. <laughs> My brain didn't process it at first. I was, you, I thought you just had to re-say the word. And I then thought I, you were, you were just like, "That's not funny." And I was like, "Okay, moving on, moving straight on." Uh, so among, so before, right? You got bladderstone. You're fucking dead. Among the historical sure. figures who yeah. suffered from bladderstones were Napoleon Bonaparte, Peter the Great, which I can't wait for uh, the extended scene in the Joaquin Phoenix movie where Napoleon's like, "Oh fuck." There's a fucking rock in my cock, you know? Oh, ow. 
Uh, Peter um, the Great, Louis can the I, Can I just ask 14th? real quick, before, no, no, before you read that, um, do all of these uh, people, are they? do they have penis joke names, or is it just the first two? It's just the first two. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, 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 so Napoleon Boner apart. Um, <laughs> Peter, Peter the Great, yeah. which is, yeah. Today, you know. Who was the next one? Louis the 14th Incher. Incher. Nice. Dude. Yeah. That's why we do yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Oliver Cromwell. Cromwell. <laughs> yeah. It's actually yeah. Cromwell. Sir Francis Big Dick. <laughs> Sir Francis. It's Sir Francis Bacon, but I'm trying to think of a penis name. Sir Penis Bacon. Sir, Sir Francis Bacon. Oh, yeah. Sir Isaac Newton. Sir I Cock Newton. <laughs> Sir Sir Ballsack Newton? <laughs> sure. They're getting they're getting sweatier and sweatier. And famous diarist Samuel Pepys. Samuel Penis. Samuel Peepees. Oh, Samuel Peepees. <laughs> who, after surviving the operation to remove the stone, an operation that often killed those who underwent it, celebrated the occasion every year with a huge feast. Imagine just being like, hey, I'm having a, I got my kidney removed, my kidney stone removed party this year. That sounds uh, kind of cool. Benjamin Franklin and his brother both suffered from the stones, and Franklin fashioned a silver catheter for himself to help relieve the pain. So the power uh, of one who could <laughs> fuck off. Oh, oh, silver. No, we're it gonna, should be soft. We're going to get into worse things. So the power of one who could successfully remove the stone was great. And that is where the William P. Didash Center for Urologic History comes in. It houses a collection of tools and oddities relating to the phallic member between men's legs, as well as a bunch of other weird shit that has to do with private parts, such as walking canes that held secret catheters, a collection of more than 30 microscopes dating back to the 1700s. That one's just cool to me. Sorry. An enormous, oh God, pineapple-sized bladder stone. Oh my God. Is that not fucking insane? Or dildos made out of whale bones with secret compartments to house pipe tobacco. Get one of those for your loved one uh, this this, uh, gift season, everybody. Nothing says to your significant other that you love them more than a whalebone dildo where she can hide her weed or tobacco. Does your lady love the nicer <laughs> things in life? Is your lady a fiend for nicotine? The museum has rotating exhibits which have included sexuality, perception, and performance throughout history, which displayed a jade phallus, anti-masturbation devices, a ring with spikes on the inside, and penile... How does that stop you from masturbating? I understand I how it would be uncomfortable, but I don't understand... Does it go... I think it goes on the penis. Yeah. I I got that. <laughs> yeah. But, like, what I'm saying is, So that is you don't like, stroke it. But... That seems like an. It's. I just seems like. I guess. I guess. I just seems. I don't know. They have a bunch of other anti-masturbation stuff. Uh, penile okay. silicone implants from the 1980s. Uh, fad fraud future quakery and nostrums in urology and remedies and recipes about historical treatments for urological um, ailments. I think that was quackery, not quakery. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I don't I think the Quakers it. had anything to do with this. After museum. I said it, I was like, what did the Quakers have to do with this? <laughs> uh, many of the items from the past exhibits can still be seen on display. And there's a bunch of other shit that I left out. But basically, think about any weird thing that people use to pleasure themselves or not pleasure themselves. This fucking place has it, and I kind of want to go to it because I kind of want to see that whalebone fucking dildo. I'm not going until there's a vagina one, too. Uh, a vagina made out of whales? No, a museum. No, they, they. So it's 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 not just penises. They have you only mentioned penis things in this. Um. Well, that is true. Jose, you only. But it's your logic, which means more than your your logic is. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't know what I'd, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I oh understand. Oh God! What, I found a fucking the, picture of the 
the definition of uro- urology is. Of the fucking I just, of one of the catheters. Oh, and wait, it's a diagram. Actually, I think your urology is specific to penises. Is it? Because isn't it urine? This place is weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a weird, weird place. place. I'd go. Yeah, I'd go. I'd be fascinated. It's one of those that like it would be a learning experience for me. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on to this next one, I really, actually, really, really like this one, Mason. I think you will too. So, um, located in the open air of the Nevada desert near Beatty is a spooky little display. The hillside below uh, Daylight Pass, just beyond the ghost town of R- Rhyolite is decorated by a congregation of menacing hooded figures that strikingly resemble death himself, including, or sorry, huddling together against the desert's void. Conceived in 1984 by the late Belgian-Polish sculptor Albert Zuzkowski, the Last Supper beckons visitors to the Goldwell Open Air Museum, like a demonic vision born of heat stroke and satanic enchantment. Inspired by what he found to be striking resemblance between the Mojave Desert and the Holy Land's scenic vistas, the sculptor casts these twelve ghosts in an echo of Leonardo da Vinci's painting of Christ's Last Supper. As with both art and life, the devil is in the details. Though arranged in similar fashion, Sukalski's figures are like an opposite-day version of the original fresco. Rather than appearing to act out the final vivacious moments of life, each is nothing more than a stark white cloak draped over nothing. The human figures they should contain are missing entirely. Similarly, at the table, similarly, the table at which the figures seem to hover was omitted. And let me pull up a picture so you can get a <clears throat> sense of this, Mason. I'm not. I'm look, Jose. I'm not an artist in the same sense as this guy. But I think it's a renowned uh, world fact that sometimes you just can't be fucked. What do you mean? Do you know, you, I, I'm not saying this is what happened, but one of my favorite phenomena in art is when an artist is like, I don't even really want to do this anymore. Or just is like, that's a lot of work to carve all that into a stone. Yeah. I'm just going to forget it. And then everybody's like, oh my God, he didn't, is a genius stroke by omitting the table and he was like fuck i'm not carving a table fuck you guys <laughs> yeah i'm just kidding i don't know if that's true so that's i've included some cool. of the pictures here um he's got a bike yeah we're gonna get to him he's called the ghost rider so <laughs> the pieces yeah the pieces reception <laughs> I just, was, yeah yeah it's really cool this is a really cool piece the piece's reception was overwhelmingly positive drawing crowds to the site in the middle of nowhere to see zuskalski's creation the Last Supper became the Gold- Goldwell Open Air Museum's self-described genesis piece, without which the diverse array of work concurrently displayed on its 15 acres would not have been possible. As the Goldwell Open Air Museum expanded, so too did Suskalski's contributions to the grounds, including Ghost Rider uh, in 1984 and Desert Flower in 1989. Even as other famed sculptors added their own works of varying styles to the landscape, at the time of its completion in 1984, Suskalski anticipated his fiberglass ghost would last a mere two years in the harsh desert climate. Yet, in what some have interpreted as divine appreciation for art, the piece remains as present and spooky as ever, though three figures were destroyed and since refurbished by either mules or vandals. Last Supper was noticeably spared the devastation wrought by a 2007 windstorm that destroyed several of the museum's works, including Suskowski's own Desert Flower. The ghosts in the desert continue to sit and wait for your arrival. Wham, bam, yes, ma'am. Yeah, wham, bam, yes, ma'am, yes, indeed. It's I'm very, gonna, very I cool. I fucking love ghosts. I love sheet ghosts. I have three sheet ghosts on my shirt. I have a sheet ghost on my fucking arm. I love sheet ghosts. I love the imagery of it. It's so good. <sighs> Is the one in the middle Jesus... Uh, probably. Yeah, because okay. he I was. I was just curious. Yeah, because he I was in the remember. painting. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I knew he was in the painting. I just didn't know if that was him or. Okay, all right. But yeah, would you visit this one, Mason? Oh, absolutely. It's super cool. Uh, the Ghost Rider one, though, because when you say Ghost Rider, right, I think of Nick Cage in yeah. a motorcycle with a flaming skull, and it's just a ghost with a little bicycle, and <laughs> yeah. it's pretty adorable. It is pretty. I cute. love it. Yeah. All right. Well, we've reached the final place on our list, Mason. Located in my home state of Utah, in the town of Monticello, is the Hole in the Rock. Albert Christensen began constructing 
uh, construction of his rock home in the 1940s, digging, carving, and blasting for 12 years before moving his family in and opening a unique diner for desert passersby. Though Albert died in the 1950s, his wife, Gladys, continued to live in the rock and run the diner for many years. She died in the 70s, and both she and her husband are buried on the grounds of the rock they called home. Today, the whimsically punctuated hole in the rock is a successful roadside attraction running tours of the home Christensen built with passion and drive so many years ago. Inside, 14 rooms are arranged around huge pillars with shelving carved right out of the walls. Among the attractions are a fireplace with a 65-foot chimney drilled through the solid sandstone, a deep French fryer, and a bathtub built into the rock. Though no human lives in the hole in the rock today, it's still inhabited by the charming Harry, a taxidermied pet donkey. Why um why did you mention that they have a a, a deep fryer? It just had it there. <laughs> I don't know. Well, because I, I there's two things about that. One, well, it was a diner. Right. So obviously it had a deep fryer. Yeah. <laughs> but on the flip side of that, <laughs> even if it had a deep fryer, everything else you talked about was how it was carved out of rock. Yeah. I don't was know. the deep fryer carved out of rock? I'm assuming. Okay. Probably. Uh, fair enough. I guess you could carve like a basin and put metal I in it. I think that's what don't... happened, yeah. Okay. All the right. charming Harry, this taxidermied pet donkey, is in poor repair, but it is apparent that he was well-loved and was mounted with care by his former owner, Albert. Whoa. Hey, yo, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, kids. <laughs> so yeah. outside the living quarters, you'll find a rock and cactus garden, a petting zoo, plus picnic tables and benches carved from stone. Full disclosure, I have never been to the hole in the rock. I've driven past it probably 10 times when I've been in southern Utah, and I've always gone, that's all right. <laughs> I just See, that's how I feel about I think Riverside. it's, you know, when it's in your own state, you're kind of like, eh. eh. Yeah, I agree. But uh, maybe next time I'm in town, I'll have to check it out because of this podcast. But that's the list. Well, actually, Mason, would you wham, bam, yes, ma'am, or oh, man, that's a scam. Honestly, mm. I'm going to say it's a yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of cool that it was carved out of the rock. But here's the thing, and this is actually, this is a ridiculous reason for it being a yes. It's only because it's got a diner. Mm, yeah. Because it's like, if it's, you know what it's like? It's like, we'll get lunch at the, because you can do something there. Yes. You know what I mean? As opposed to like the little chapel, you just like, you just see it and it's like, all right. Yeah. This place though, it's like, well, we can get lunch at the weird house and the the rocks and that's kind of cool. Yeah. And they're buried there, which is kind of spooky. So That is kind of spooky. Maybe they'll come out and they'll bring you your eggs, the ghosts. Yeah. Who knows? Well, that's our list, Mason. Um, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we're going to be back uh, next week with another episode, and we've geared up for Spooktober. We've completely planned it out. I don't know about you, Mason, but I have been fully in the mood for Spooktober. I it's am still a little... It's still a little- little warm. I keep trying to wear flannels and sweatshirts, and it's too yeah, hot. Yeah, well, in the yet, morning, I, I I'll wear a jacket to school, and then by the time my afternoon classes come around, I'm like, <laughs> got to take these off. You what, know? Uh, what's the what's the weather like over there? Right now, it is currently, it's, it's actually been cooling down here, so we're at 68 degrees right now, and we've had a couple oh, gloomy yeah. days, so that's probably why I've felt it more. It's actually colder there. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like Utah's warmer right now than we are. It's 71 here. Yeah. It's called global warming. It's a really fun thing that's happening. It's called climate change. No. Not real. Fake. Fake fake news. But, um, eh. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like Mason and I have said a million times, this is the time when our power grows. And this yep. is when we are at the strongest we've ever been. So be weary of us. Be in I awe. See in, It'd be scary. I see... I see in two Wednesdays there's a high of 68 degrees, and that will be the day that I am, yeah. Yes. But, uh, yeah, we've got some some fun stuff planned. And uh, shout-out to our listeners in the state of Maryland. 
uh, where we got hey. our most downloads uh, last month. So thank you, everyone from Maryland who's listening, because what as the a, fuck? As a huge Baltimore Ravens fan, oh, I appreciate yeah. it. yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Mason, before we go, I think the internet is dying to know, and the listeners are too. I don't know if you've seen this TikTok trend, but we at uh-huh. Captain's Log are all about keeping up with the trends of the kids. How Ayo. often do you think about the Roman mm-hmm. Empire? Yeah, see, I, 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 I've talked about this with my partner. Um, I like once or twice a month. Okay, okay. Ask me how often I think about it, Mason. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? I think about Empire? it at least twice a day. See, I, all right. I, I, I mean, I get it. I'm fascinated by the Roman Empire. So when the, it's okay. so funny. I was telling my coworkers about this, that when this became a trend on TikTok, I had uh-huh. been on like a two-week binge of all my YouTube watches yeah. just being Roman Empire-related things. And then yeah. I go on TikTok and it's a thing. And I was like, whoa, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. But unfortunately, I'm alone and I had nobody to ask me. So what? Who said? But anyway, buddy. so that we'll use that for the TikTok. So oh, glad yeah, we could figure that. Out. Hold on, ask me it again. Okay. Mason. Nah, I'm just kidding. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing your fucking trends, Jose. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you everybody for listening. We will talk to you soon and stay safe and spooky out there, everybody. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Yeah.